I am the first on earth, the second in heaven, once in a year. What am I? The letter E. Connor is on top of that one. He had time to think. The letter E was the answer to that one. Uh, this five-letter this five word becomes shorter when you add two letters to it. Short. All right. We got them today. We're, we're all thinking today. If anybody gets this one, um, where do generals keep their armies? Up their sleeves. I laughed hard at that one when I read that. Where do generals keep their armies up their sleeves? My wife thought I laughed too hard at that joke, actually. <laughs> I had tears in my eyes when I told her that one. I was proud of that one. Uh, we'll probably look at a more profound question today than where do generals keep their armies, but, you know, I mean, it just gives us thinking. Uh, like I said, I want to look at uh, questions that have been posed to Jesus and learn from his response uh, the answer to those questions. And we talked last week, if you forgot, uh, Jesus is alive, just in case you were wondering. Last week we talked about Easter, he's alive, Amen. Okay, there's, Steve knows he's alive, but we talked about Easter. Jesus is alive, amen? Okay, we're all on the same page, so that's a good thing. Death was defeated, all that stuff. He's alive still. Um, and so what I wanted to do was look at Jesus as he was alive. He still interacted with his disciples. He still had moments with them. You know, he talked to them. He walked with them. He, he ministered to them still as, a, as the resurrected Jesus. And so we see some of that in the end of the Gospels, in the beginning of the book of Acts. And there's a question that comes up in the book of Acts that actually comes up a few times in the ministry of Jesus. And so I wanted to look at that question today and just see what God can speak to us. There's a neat challenge that he brought to my heart through this. So I'm going to be in Acts chapter 1. I'm going to read verses 4 through 8. I'm going to pray for God's anointing. And I hope that we can learn through this question. Father, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for your anointing this day. And we pray that you would be with us. We ask that you would allow us to hear from you. We pray against distractions. We pray against things that might keep us from hearing. We just ask God that your will would be accomplished in this place. Help us to learn from your words. We submit ourselves. We submit our, our, ourselves to you. Asking your work to be accomplished in us and through us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Recall this is the resurrection. Jesus is alive. So it says on one occasion... While he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father has promised, which you heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Verse 6, they gathered around him and they asked him. Here's the question I want to look at today. They gathered around him and they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know the date, times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The question that the disciples asked Jesus. You know, he's resurrected, he, he defeated death, and he's, he's with them, and they said, all right, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel. And for most of us, that's like a who cares question. Like, we don't get it. What's the big deal? Restore the kingdom or not? I mean, 
we're not even really that familiar with kingdoms in, in, in our understanding of things. And so why would this be a relevant question for the disciples to ask Jesus? Why are they saying, why are they looking at Jesus saying, will you now restore the kingdom to Israel? Will you now restore the kingdom to, to, to your people? Is this going to be when it happens? Like, are we, ne- are we there yet? I mentioned they've asked this question at least three times. It comes up in Jesus' ministry. The question about the restoration of the kingdom. What's the big deal? Kingdoms are about authority. A kingdom was about who was in charge, right? And so when you think about the people of Israel, uh, the, the nation of Israel, what have they constantly battled? Kingdoms. We're blessed. We live in the United States. We don't have to worry about Canada coming in and take us over. I mean, it's just not the fear. I don't think we're afraid of Mexico coming up and taking us over. I mean, we're not necessarily used to that thinking. Israel has been in a perpetual state of occupation. I mean, go back to Egypt. They were enslaved in Egypt. They had uh, the Babylonians. They had the Persians. They had the Greeks. They had the Romans. They're all, they just seemed to govern them. They were the authority over them. And the people of God were desiring to be free. Like, is it time yet? Can we be restored now? Can we be in charge? I mean, if he gives them the kingdom, guess what? All of a sudden, they're on the top. They're not on the bottom. They're in control. And Jesus says what? What does he say? Yeah, yeah. we love that, don't we? Why? We ask God why, and he says what? I mean, we want the A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, Z. Whoa, that was a weird alphabet, but we want it that way. Double Z, double B. I mean, going through the whole thing, all those points, one after another. Why? And he looks at them when they ask this question, and he said, guess what? It's not for you to know the time. My father's in control. It's not for you to know the time. He says, but you'll be endued with power from on high, and you'll be my witnesses here, there, and everywhere, basically, is what he says. Now, why? What is he saying here? What's the answer to this question? I mean, it doesn't seem like he's really answered the question. He just said, just be quiet. Like, let's just be quiet for a little bit. My kids like to ask why, you know, and sometimes we don't know the answer, so we just tell them, don't worry about that. Go ask Ryan later, he'll tell you. I mean, that's what we do. And and, and so, but the reality is, here's the question, and and basically Jesus, and I love his response, and we're going to get into his response. He says, it's not for you to know the times. Just wait, be filled with power. What did he say? Luke chapter 24, similar question. Are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? One of my favorite, I don't know why, I think I like the road to Emmaus dialogue because I can relate to these people. Uh, they're walking, they're without hope, they're doubting, they're struggling. I mean, that's where they're at. Luke chapter 24, I want to look at this, this encounter. There's these disciples that were followers of Christ and they're confused at what happened with the crucifixion. They haven't yet experienced the resurrection and so we see them walking. Luke 24, he says, he said, he asked them, Jesus comes along and they don't recognize him and he's walking with them. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces were downcast. 
One of them, named Cleopas, he asked him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that have happened there in these days? Verse 19, what things? Verse 19, what things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied, He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. Look at verse 21. What was their hope? But we had hoped he was the one who was going to restore the kingdom, right? Our expectation was that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more is that it's the third day since all this took place. Again, have you ever had God figured out? You know what I mean? Like, you knew how God was going to answer this question. You just asked him because you felt like you were supposed to ask him, but you knew what his answer was going to be before you asked him, and then God didn't answer it the way you thought he was going to answer it, so you wondered where God was. That's what's happening. These people, they have an expectation. They've heard it prophesied about. It's it's been written in the book. In the book of Daniel, it talks about the redemption of Israel. God redeeming his people. They expected Jesus was coming. He had had that, remember that big parade we talked about where where he came into town. They're singing Hosanna. They're, They're shouting, Lord, save us. I mean, here it is. It's all unfolding before our very eyes. The redemption of Israel. It's coming. God's restoring the kingdom. Everything's going to be great. Everything's going to be grand. We're going to laugh at the Romans. We're going to spit at the Romans. Whatever. And then it wasn't that way. And then God didn't do it the way you thought he should do it. That's where these guys are at. We had hoped. We had hoped he was going to do something that he did, different than he did. Our hope wasn't death on a cross. Our hope was the redemption of Israel and here's where we're at. Nothing's changed. This isn't the first time. Luke chapter 19, if we just go back a few more chapters. Apparently this is something that's rustled in their souls. While they were listening to this, he went on to tell them a parable because he was near Jerusalem and the people thought the kingdom of God was going to appear at once. You see, the mind of the followers of Christ was all about the redemption of Israel, not necessarily the redemption of man. They were distracted with, God, you're going to redeem us. You're going to lift us up. We've been oppressed. We've been uh, oppressed by the Romans. They're not nice to us. We're afraid of them. We can't say what we want when we want. We can't do what we want when we want because of, uh, of these, these people who are authorities over us. When can we just be free? When's the time for us just to be set free from all this? I'm tired. That's where the people of God are at. As we see this time, Jesus here, it's not necessarily directly stated, but he knows they're wrestling with. Hey, is it about time? The parade's coming. Maybe now. And then it doesn't happen then. And then he he dies. And so then they're like, well, maybe not now. And then they see him after he raises from the dead. And hey, is it now? I mean, they're wrestling with this question over and over again. In Luke chapter 19, in Acts chapter 1, we see a response to the question. Luke chapter 19, Jesus begins to speak in a parable about what they're wondering. Will I restore the kingdom at once? 
In Acts chapter 1, he responds to them. He rebukes them maybe in some ways. And then he responds to them in a way that doesn't seem to fit. I mean, we've heard Acts chapter 1, verse 8, we're a Pentecostal church. You'll be endued with power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses. We've heard that. And we know that means that we're supposed to speak in tongues and everything else. I mean, we know that. But, but the reality was, this was an answer to the question. This was an answer to the question of, God, will you restore the kingdom to Israel now? And Jesus' response... They gathered around him and said in verse 6, They asked him, Lord, are you going to at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It's not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority. What has he said in that verse? God's in control. Don't worry. Are you going to restore the kingdom now? Hey, it's not yours to know. God's got it. Trust him. That's where we're at. And then what does he say? He says, but. Because he realizes that we're going to wrestle with the God's in control piece. Like the, it's not yours to know. But, he says, you will be endued with power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. He said, hey, it's not for you to know the when, but guess what? There's something to do until it comes. So don't worry about the when right now. Worry about the who needs to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. He says, when, he, when they ask that question, God, are you going to restore the kingdom now? Can it happen now? Can we see the fulfillment of all this happen today? He says, hey, 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 trust God and get busy. Trust God and get to work. Because, see, the work's not done that needs to be accomplished before the kingdom is restored. There's something to be done before the redemption of Israel. And so guess what? Get busy is what he's saying. How busy? Well, that sounds real busy. You know, lots of people to witness to. You're going to have the power to do it, but you've got to get busy. Let's look at Luke. I love it. This was a profound moment to me. We've heard this parable in Luke chapter 11. But it's in response to the same question. Verse 11 said he was listening. He went on to tell the people a parable because he was near Jerusalem and the people thought the kingdom of God was going to appear at once. They were, they were can you do it now? Right? Same question. Same question. Jesus is answering the same question, but he answers with a parable. Why parable? So we can learn, right? He said to them, a man of noble birth went to a distant country to have himself appointed king and then to return. So he called ten of his servants and gave them ten minas. Put this money to work, he said, until I come back. But his subjects hated him and sent, him, sent a delegation after him to say, we don't want this man to be our king. He was made king, however, and returned home. Then he sent for the servants to whom he had given the money in order to find out what they had gained with it. The first one came and said, Sir, your mina has earned ten more. Verse 17 says, Well done, my good servant. His master replied, Because you have been trustworthy in a very small matter, take charge 
of ten cities. Take charge of ten cities. What does that speak? That's authority, right? I mean, that's the reward is authority. That's a side note. The second man came and said, Sir, your mina has earned five more. His master answered, You take charge of five cities. Another servant came and said, Sir, here is your mina. I have kept it laid away in a piece of cloth. I was afraid of you because you're a hard man. You take out what you did not put in and reap what you did not sow. His master replied, I will judge you by your own words, you wicked servant. You knew, did you, that I'm a hard man taking out what I did not put in and reaping what I did not sow. Why then didn't you put my money on deposit so that when I came back I could have collected it with interest? He said to those standing by, take his mina away from him and give it to the one who has ten minas. Sir, they said, he already has ten. He replied, verse 25, I tell you that everyone who has more will be given, but for the one who has nothing, even what they have will be taken away. And I know we've heard this this parable, and we think of the parable of the talents, but I want to look at this parable in the context of Acts chapter 1. Jesus is answering the same question. Can you restore the kingdom? In Acts chapter 1, he said, trust dad, and there's something to be done, right? But you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. And, and, and that was his answer then. His answer in, in, in Luke chapter 19, it's different but it's speaking the same thing. And you say, Pastor, I don't see Acts 1.8 in what we just read. I want to show you these are the two verses kind of parallel with one another. In verse 12, he said, A man of noble birth went to a distant country to have himself appointed king and then to return. Who would that be? That's a great guess. I would assume it's Jesus. Okay, right? So he called ten of his servants and he gave them ten minas. What did the king do? He gave, right? Jesus said, wait and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. So, so what I see between Luke 19 and, and what I see in Acts chapter 1 is that as we wrestle with the question of can it be now, God says he's in control. He says, I've got this. And then he says, but, but I'm going to give you something until it's fulfilled. He looked at the servants and he gave them ten, five, and one minus. He gave them a sum of money is basically what it was. And what did he say? Put this money to work until I come back. What did he say in Acts chapter 1 verse 8? Put the deposit to work until I come back. He said, I'm giving you money in Luke chapter 19. In Acts chapter 1, he says, I've given you power. Power to do what? To be my witnesses. Where? Everywhere until when? Until he comes back. Kids are having fun today. I love these two stories together. Because what do we see as we read the parable? What do we learn as we read the parable? What happens when the king returns. 
There's an account to be paid, right? What does the king do when he comes back? He goes away to be, he was a noble man, he goes away to be appointed king. He comes back, he talks to his servants. What do they show him? They show him what they did with what he gave them. Right? It's pretty clear. The one he gave ten minus came to him and he said, look, I made ten more. And he said, well done, I'm going to give you control. I'm going to give you authority over ten cities in my kingdom. There's, there's a place. Another guy come forward. He said, I gave you five. He said, here's five more. He said, well done, you did great. I'm going to give you more authority over five cities. And the last one comes and says, I don't know you. I was afraid to do anything, so I just buried it so I could give you back what you gave me. I did nothing with it. What did he do with the money that the king or the nobleman gave him? Absolutely nothing. He wrapped it in a cloth that says, put it in his pocket, saved it for a later day. I don't know, but I know he didn't do anything with it. And then I think about Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And he says to me, he's given me power. And where I start to wrestle with the, hey, are you going to restore Israel now? Where I start to wrestle with that in my heart is, guess what? He's given me something. What's my return? What will I show the king when he comes back? If he's given me power to be a witness, if he's given me the power, it says in Acts chapter 1, he says, I'll, I'll give you the Holy Spirit who, and you'll receive power. I'm pouring out power. I'm giving you the ability. I'm giving you the, 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 the ability that you have need of to be an effective witness of the gospel, to be an effective testimony of who Jesus Christ is. I'm pouring that out on you so you can be my witness here, there, and everywhere to the very ends of the earth. And it's the holding me to an account what am I doing with what He's given me? Am I living in power? I mean, I was thinking about it, and this, Joellen told me I better clarify this when I make this statement. I can't think of much more ends of the earth than Crawford, Nebraska, from when Jesus spoke these words. I mean, literally, we're like on the opposite side of the world. We're about as far from Jesus in this moment as it gets. I think it was like, 12,000 kilometers or something. You know what I mean? It was, when I looked at a, a globe and tried to see how far we are. I mean, this we're in this. We're right. We're still here. What has he told us in Acts chapter 2? And this is a prophecy from the book of Joel. In the last days, God said, I will pour out my spirit on who? Huh? He's endued you with power. He says, He poured out His Spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my Spirit in those days. And they will prophesy the Spirit, the gift that we're talking about. The dispensation from the Master has come in your life. He's given you the Spirit of God. He's given you the power that you have need of. 
He's given you an assignment. Be my witnesses. First Corinthians chapter 12, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them all. There are different kinds of servant service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all them and in everyone, it's the same God at work. Now to who? Huh? Who here is each? To each one has been given a manifestation of the Spirit of God or of, of the Spirit is given for the common good. Every one of us has been given the Holy Spirit of God. Every one of us has been... We talk about treasures. Think about it. He's called us a temple of the Holy Spirit. Who lives inside of you? Huh? Who is the Holy Spirit? Huh? He's God. He's living inside of you. And we say we can't. The Spirit of God is living inside of us. We're a temple of the very Spirit of God. The one who gives us power to be witnesses. The one who gives us authority and allows us to prophesy and dream and speak and all that Joel talked about. Yet we're quiet. The King's coming. The king's coming. And he's going to look at every one of us and he's going to say, what have you done with what I've given you? Are you going to restore the kingdom? Maybe we don't want him to restore the kingdom now because now we need some time to get busy. Maybe we don't want to ask that question now. Maybe we don't want to look at that question yet. Because God has given us a deposit of the Holy Spirit. He's given us a piece of Himself that dwells inside of us, that gives us the power, and He gives us the words. He calls the Holy Spirit an advocate and a counselor. He gives us the wisdom. He gives us the words. He gives us the way. Then we fold it up in a napkin. And we just put it in our pocket. The king is returning. And he's given you his very best. And what I love is on the account, when he holds us to account, not only does he, he hold us to account, but he rewards his faithful. To whom much is given, much is expected. To who, who has much, he'll give even more. Why? Because he can trust them with what He's given them. You guys can come forward. This morning, I, 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 the challenge in my heart, the challenge that, that God has spoken to me, and I know this, this is a, a, a maybe a little up front, but has really wrestled with my soul, looking at what we champion, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, this awesome gift, this power that we love to talk about that God has given us, but also looking at it through the lens of stewardship. What am I doing with what God has given me. Father, we come to you this morning and I pray that there's a sense of understanding 
God, I pray that that as we talked about the word, as we looked at the question of the restoration of the kingdom, God, as we looked at at the restoring of, of, of your authority in this earth and we saw what you've given us. Now, first and foremost, we trust you. That we trust you, we can trust that answer that, that you know, that you're in control, that it's not getting too far. We might look at the news, we might wonder, but the kingdom is still coming. In the meantime, you've given us something. In the meantime, you've given us the, the very richest treasure I can imagine. A piece of God is inside of me. You've given us the Holy Spirit. For God, you didn't just stop with the Holy Spirit. You gave us a responsibility, an expectation. Put this to work. Wow. Put this to work. What can be accomplished when I put the very person of God to work in my life? What limits are there to the Alpha and Omega? The first and last. What limits but what I do with what you've given? God, I pray that If we need to repent for neglect, we can repent. If we need to change from inactivity, that we can change. God, I ask that we look at that that great gift that the King of kings and Lord of lords has bestowed upon us and, and we're diligent with what you've given, that we can see that return. That we would be fruitful and multiply. That we would see the fruit of the Almighty coming through our words and our actions. God, I pray for a challenge in our heart. God, if you need to re-remind us, if you need to, 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 to reveal to us for the very first time, I pray that, that the challenge this week, the challenge that is in me would be, what am I doing with what you've given? If we need to receive that gift. Let us receive it. If we need to experience that gift, we need to rediscover that gift. Let us rediscover the power that is inside of us. To be your witnesses to the very ends of the earth. To be your witnesses in Crawford, Nebraska. To be your witnesses where we go in what we do. As they sing this chorus, I just encourage you to evaluate. I encourage you to look and see what return there is. And if you need to get a return, I, I just I would encourage you to commit to God. I'm going to do better. I'm going to do better today. I'm going to do better tomorrow. I want to see that return that is yours.